Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning of it. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. I'm not going to deal with that last part about being patient in spirit. But this morning, I want to take the first part of this verse that says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. The end is better. The end is going to be better for us. Let me preach about it. Father, I thank you for your word quicken it to our hearts and change us, God. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. This is actually one of the oldest sermons I've ever preached. I preached this sermon over 30 years ago. Not here, but I have, and I have preached here on this because it's so important. And it's also a message that changes with the time. Because how many of you know we're living in the last days. Now this is not just a this is not just a Facebook post. We're living in the last days. You know, everybody said we're living in the last days. But we really are. Last days may have been going on for a while now, but we're living. That's where we're living. And the scripture notice that that the scripture does not indicate when 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 the writer of Ecclesiastes said the better the end of a thing is better than the beginning. He's not saying that all the time or every time something at the end is more enjoyable or is more wonderful than it was at the first. Neither does this mean that every life gets better toward the end. Every life doesn't get better toward the end. Some people's lives have more difficulty when it gets toward the end. What it does mean is that everything increases and intensifies as you go along. Life snowballs and grows as we go along. So Solomon is saying here, I'm getting old. I've watched all my life and this is what I've seen. Whatever you choose in life will enlarge and get bigger as you get older. Now, that's, that's my message today. you got to get that part because that's it. Everything in life enlarges. It gets bigger, better, however you want to put it, as you get older. It doesn't decrease. It increases. So what does this mean? Well, we can use this scripture in the negative. So I'm going to preach a little negative to start with. Just hang in here because this can be negative, And a lot of times it is. Uh, when we talk about sin, uh, there is a progression with sin. Sin doesn't just start out big. It gets bigger. It gets better. It gets stronger. It grows on you. James chapter 1 verse 14 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived... It brings birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Sin just, sin just grows. So I'm not going to talk a whole lot about sin this morning, but I'm just going to tell you, 
A person who's living in sin doesn't just gradually get better as they get older. It doesn't just get better. Something has to happen. Or, or, or it will increase and grow. Uh, let's talk about complaining. The Israelites became progressively worse as they continued on their journey to Canaan. The end result was that they were, they were bitter, they were faithless, and they didn't get to go into the promised land. If you look at their journey from Egypt to the Canaan land, they were constantly complaining. So, Pastor, are you going to talk about complaining today? Yeah, I think I will. See, do you know people who are known for complaining? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can I come down here? You know them. You may be sitting by them. Don't indicate that. They'll be complaining about you. They're already complaining about you. People who complain don't just all of a sudden one day just stop complaining. We complain about everything. I mean, everything. uh, Facebook is a complaint department for everything from, you know, I mean, I've even griped about people walking in the exit at Walmart. You've heard me do it. Mm. Till one day I walked in. But it was an emergency. <laughs> it wasn't like everything. We complain about everything. We complain about the food. We complain about, we complain about it's too hot. It's hot. Folks, I'm going to just scare you right now. Before this day is over, it's going to be hot. Now, if, if you're warm in here, let me just tell you, the air conditioner is doing everything it can. And all you have to do is step outside five minutes and come back in and hallelujah, you'll feel so much better. But we're doing what we can. In the wintertime, we tried to stay warm. I mean, it's, it's a, but, but it's, not just those, it's not just those things. It's everything. We complain about the president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that was going to set off something. We complain about, we complain about everybody. It, in, in power or not in power. And, and here's the thing. We fussed about it when they complained about our president. Or our candidate. Or our favorite. And we said, well, they shouldn't be talking about him because he is a president. But then we do the same thing. I got a little further. Let me just come on down. <laughs> just, just stay down. Stay down. Where we complain. I, I mean, really, if you look at my Facebook post, you will not find me complaining about anything political on the post. It doesn't do anybody. You know what? The only people that see it are people that like me. And if they don't agree with me, they're not going to say anything about it. And then I have to judge whether how they feel by how many likes I get. And who cares? But we complain about it. We complain. So I've been thinking about this. Because I believe in free speech. Yes, I do. I believe we ought to have the right to say whatever we want to say uh, to a certain uh, limit 
of causing harm and danger. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But I'm just going to tell you that the right to free speech was not given here. It's in the Constitution. This is not the Constitution. How many of you know this is better? Now, am I for the Constitution of the United States? Absolutely. I'm a citizen of this country, and I'm, I'm for it, and I'm, I'm behind it, and I'm glad that we have it. We have to have some rules and regulations. But now we're complaining about that, and we will be some, for some time. Say, do I have a right to complain? Yes, I do. I have, a, I have a right. I have a right as a citizen to complain about what's going on in Washington and Arkansas and my house. That's not a constitutional right. In fact, I'm not even sure I've got that right. But I, I do know I've got the other rights. I have some rights. So we, we are a rights-oriented people. Women's rights. Men's rights, children's rights, racial rights, racial, racial equality. We've got rights. We've got all, but but th those are not those are not listed here. Listen, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is not Thessalonians chapter three. It didn't come from Thessalonians. It didn't come from Hezekiah. <laughs> it didn't come from Ezekiel. It didn't come from. Any of the books about it, that's just something in our, in our documents here in this country. And, and I'm for it. But, but, but Elon Musk did not give me uh, my guidelines on speech. Uh, Elohim did. God did. The Word did. And here's, here's what, now I, I've, I had my message. I got here this morning a little after 7 o'clock. And I added to it. Here's extra stuff right here. Here's what Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. God tells us how to talk. Right? Oh, okay, are you with me? God's giving us instruction. If you want to know how we're to speak, the, the Bible tells us. Uh, how about Ephesians 4.29? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Yeah, but I've got rights. I can say anything. I can cuss. I can, I can say anything I want to say. I can let any kind of corrupt communication come out. Not if I'm following um, this constitution. If I'm following this, I give up part of my right to free speech. So quick... Quit proclaiming, I've got right the same thing. Yes, you've got the right to remain silent. You've got the right, but you don't have to. Now, does that mean we shouldn't sometimes speak up? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying how we speak up, God's, more, God's as much concerned about how you say it as what you say. And that's what I'm talking about. We as Christians are looked at as a crazy group anyway. And, and we are to a certain extent. We're not like the world. We're not like the world. We're not, the Bible says, we're not of this world. So we're going to have a little different, but how we say it makes a lot of difference to how other people view us as Christians. I'm not going to, 
I can get out and I can, and I, and I can say anything I want to say, but is it representing God? Is it representing, is it sounding like, can I find a way to say it that will not be just saying, you're stupid. And I can just tell you that most days, that's all I want to say is you're stupid. I'm not talking about you. Well, not all of you. (laughs) Anyway, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But what is what? Good for necessary edification. That it may impart grace to the hearers. Here's what we as God's people need to understand. Our like, quit complaining about everything. Quit complaining. You say, well, Pastor, you tell me what I can't do? No, you can do. I know you can do what you... What I'm saying, I'm saying, what does God say? He says, don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Use that which is edifying. Can you find a way to say this? Can you find a way to do this? That instead of tearing down our witness, we'll build up our witness. Speak uh, Ephesians 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love. I love that scripture. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things. Yeah, you don't have these, Jessica. These are all, this is... This is from 7 o'clock this morning, okay. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, who is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Do we know how to do that? Well, bless God, I just tell it like it is. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going gonna, gonna to say it. And if they like it, that's fine. If they don't like it. But the Bible says, speak it in love. Listen, I had teachers that loved me. And I had teachers that didn't. And I knew the ones that did. And I knew the ones that didn't. Your children have the same thing. There are good teachers out there. They're good teachers. But some of them, I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you. Is, and, I, and I was a good kid. I'm going to tell you. I was, I, don't, I was as likable as I could be. But some people didn't like me. Still don't. But teachers. And, and you know how a student if a teacher loves them and cares for them and they give them instruction, that student will listen. And to, but if they know the teacher doesn't like them anyway and the teacher tells them something, say, she don't like me anyway. I'm going to go and do what I want to do. That, that's, the, that's the whole, that's the whole plan. What kind of stuff, do, oh, I don't want to get too far off here, but what kind of stuff did we get in trouble for when I was in school? You know what I got sent to the office for? Wearing my shirt tail out. I wish, I wish those teachers were still alive. <laughs> I'd go to their, I'd go knock on their door and say, look at me. And look at you. Now see, what did I say? Where did that come? Randy Lowe's not even here and I heard something. Hey, hey, here's what I'm saying. Speak the truth in love. I'll give you one more. Ephesians 4.32 And be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. We've got, again, we can become bitter. Here's what Hosea 10.12 says. Sow to yourself righteousness. Reap in mercy. 
Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way in the multitude of your mighty men. You know what, you know what Hosea said? He said, if you've gotten in the place where all you're doing is complaining and all you're doing is griping about every single thing that, I, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, the other day I drove through town and for the third time since I've been here in Malvern, I went through every light and they were all of them green. It was, and when I got through it, I said, thank you Lord for another miracle. We gripe about the light being green and or red and how long it, we gripe about everything. But here's what he's saying. How do, I, how do I get to a place where I don't do that anymore? I'm going to tell you, a, a, a sermon from Pastor Bobo is not going to get it in and of itself. You've got to, because you've sown, you've been sowing, you've been sowing this kind of seed for a long time. You've been, you've been sowing discontent and, and, and all of this for a long time. What do you do for that? I'm not telling you to go and get rid of your social media. I'm not telling you to get off of this and get off of that. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm going to tell you what Hosea said. He said, break up your hardened, fallow ground. Break up the ground. Because what you've been doing, you've been sowing, and it's gotten harder and harder, and it's gotten more difficult. He said, the only thing you're going to be able to do is plow it up again and replant and start over. Can we do that? Listen, this is what we need to do this morning. If you find yourself in a place where you're not getting better, but you're getting bitter, you need to do something about it. There, there's, you say, well, is there an easy path to this? Mm, I don't know how easy, and I don't know how fast, but I know this, for every day that you don't plow, that's another day that you're going to have to be stuck right where you are. And everybody else in your house would like for you to do it. I'm just telling you. If they would be honest with you, they're scared of you. They're afraid to say anything. <laughs> Blow up if I say something. I'm talking about your house. I'm not talking about mine. Where is she? Anyway, I'm not talking about my house. I'm talking about your house. Break up the fallow ground. Everybody in the house will be happy for that. Do you have a, do you have, oh, let's just go on. Do you have a house? Do you have, are you the kind of person that when you walk in, they watch to see what kind of mood you're in before they say anything? You need to break up your fallow ground. Some of you need to smile a little bit more. I read something the other day that says you're better looking when you smile. Some of you need to smile. And I tried it. I went to the mirror and I smiled and I thought, you still ugly, but not near. Not near as bad as when you frown. Oh, oh we'll get to this. We'll get to this. Here, hey, not only you're, you're complaining, what about selfishness? Wanting your own way. A person who is allowed to be selfish when they're young will not just automatically become unselfish as they get older. 
People who are used to getting their own way will never get used to not getting their own way. Selfishness and hatefulness don't just drift away, they grow. What about impurity? Two-thirds of Playboy subscribers are over 50 years of age. The term dirty old men is accurate. But they, they didn't become dirty old men without first becoming dirty young men. And it grew on them. And it continued to grow. Cheerfulness. Oh, let's get to the positive. We're good. Let's just go to the positive. How many of you have enough of the negative? You ready for the positive? You want me to drag you out of here? Okay. Cheerfulness. A person who chooses to be cheerful earlier in life will be, cheer- will be a cheerful old person. One day. I'm not there yet. I will. There is nothing worse than a crabby old man or woman. It's crabby. Just, you know who they are. You know who you are. This is a fact. And I told you this while ago. You look better when you smile. Um, you, want to, you want people to think you're smart? Stop scowling. And smile. And I... In a 2014 study, researchers at Charles University in Prague recruited 160 participants to look at headshots of 80 students and rate them on traits including intelligence. According to their findings, there seems to be a correlation between semblances of emotion of joy or anger and perceptions of high or low intelligence in faces respectively. The high intelligence faces appear to be smiling more than the low intelligence faces. Look at your neighbor and smile. You say, I'm I'm smarter than you. (laughs) Cheerfulness. I, I think that God's people ought to be the most cheerful people on the planet. How can I be cheerful when the world's going to hell in a handbasket? Because I'm not going to hell. And the whole world's not either. Because I'm here to keep them from it. And to keep them from it, I'm going to get up every Sunday and say, you better stop what you're doing or you're going to hell. Or will I present them the loving Savior? You still need to stop what you're doing. And you are going to hell if you don't stop it. But how many people does that win? Straighten up or go to hell. You see signs out there. Repent. The end is near. Everybody knows that. What they don't know is how to do it. What they don't know is how can I live this life. What they don't, you know, what they don't know. I I mean, back in the old days. I'm old enough to say that. Back in the olden days. We sometimes thought the people in the church that were the most sour were the most holy. Because they were sour. We thought, oh, look at that sister. She's sour. No, she's just sour. (laughs) It wasn't because they were that holy or righteous or anything. And some of them were. But you know the people I remember are the people that came and smiled at me and didn't tell me I needed a haircut. (sighs) And they loved me. And they cared for me. And they put their arm around me. 
Brother Edwards in our church. At, y'all remember Brother Edwards? Brother Edwards was 100, 100 years ago. He lived to be like 94. We had his 92nd birthday there at the church. Brother Edwards, this man, I want to tell you, you're talking about stuck, uh, someone that was stuck in his way. Brother Edwards, he was a great man. He was a great man of God. Preached the Bible for years. He was, he was great. He was set up on the platform. When we kind of put him on the platform. That's back when the preachers all had to set up on the platform. I'm so glad that's changed. <laughs> Some preachers I don't want on the platform. Anyway, so we were sitting on the platform, and he'd sit behind me, and he had this cane, and he'd, he'd poke my foot. He'd poke my foot, and he'd say, Pastor, who's that woman in the blue dress on that second row? I said, I don't know. He'd, he'd poke the youth pastor. You know, and he said, I don't know. He said, well, you should know. <laughs> that, that was Brother Edwards. But he'd laugh. So my son came in one day to church, and his hair was two different colors, kind of a little thing going on. And, uh, and, I, and I looked at Brother Edwards. Brother Edwards watched him. <laughs> he watched him come in, and he watched him walk by. And then he smiled. And then he laughed. And he said, Pastor, if that's the worst it gets, you're okay. If that's the worst it gets, you're okay. Cheerfulness. How many people have been won by your cheerfulness? How many people have been drawn? I mean, I, I had people in the church, in one per- church I pastor, I had a lady in the church, that, that she gave messages in tongues and was hateful. I mean, she, you say, isn't that an oxymoron? Some kind of moron. She would, hateful. And there were people in the church that would say, if that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God, I don't need it. You know what I want? I want people who will get full of the Holy Spirit, will speak in other tongues, will get earnestly before God and cry out to Him. But when they turn around, they'll smile at you and say, I love you. Jesus loves you. That's what draws people. I want people to be drawn. I, I'm saying better the end of a thing. As, as we get, our church is over 100 years old. Are we better than we were at the start? If we weren't, let's get better. If, if, we're, not, if we're not more excited about the coming of the Lord, if we're not more happy for Jesus, if, we're not more, if we don't have more of the joy of the Lord than we did 100 years ago, then let's break up the fallow ground. Let's replant and let's be joyful. Can you say amen? If you've got that, I'll, I'll, I'll move on. We need to be generous. A person does not just wake up one day and he's a generous person. Generosity begins when a child is young. I believe it's important to instill generosity. I, I believe it's important more important to instill generosity than to enjoy and then to instill tithing. We teach people to tithe. 10% of all you have should be in the offering plate. We teach that. But wouldn't it be better and accomplish the same thing 
to instill generosity in our children. Be generous. Not only are we going to tithe, we're going to give more and more. As God blesses us, we're going to bless others. Children need to be taught this. We, the Bible says, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Come on, people, be generous. Start, start today. You'll be amazed at how well it'll end up. The end will be better. Love. Falling in love. Anything you fall into is not going to get better by itself. So if you've fallen in love, it's not going to get any better. The best part of it was when you fell. I'm just telling you. I'm done with falling, I'm just going to tell you. Love ought to be better at the end than it is at the beginning. Are we okay with that? Love ought to be something. You know what? There's... I know there's 50% of people who are getting divorced. I know, or even more, the divorce rate is great. Why? Because they fell in and they fell out. Anything you fall into, you can fall out of. They fell in, they fell out. It came, it went. But better the end. Here's what I'm wanting in my life. I, I, want, I want my love to be greater toward the end than it is now. Love ought to be better. I have, I have, the reason I don't want to, I don't want to fall in love with somebody else. I'm talking about my wife right now. Did I fall in love with her? Yeah, fell pretty bad. And, but if that had been all there was, was the fall, then three weeks after the marriage, I would have fallen out. Because that's about how long it took to have the first really good argument. No, <laughs> way before then. This scripture works in the spiritual. I was looking in the Bible, the, the, the stories of the Bible, the accounts. Joseph started out in a pit, but he ended up in a palace. Job lost everything, but he gained it all. Jesus died on the cross, but he rose again the third day. It doesn't end bad, it ends good. In our world, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, says this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act righteous, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Here's what, here's what, here's what Paul told Timothy. He said, in the last days, perilous times are going to come. People are going to be selfish, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, den uh, denying the power of God in their lives, 
All of these things are going to happen. So if I look at this, it looks to me like in the last days, things are going to get pretty bad. Have you watched the news lately? Things are pretty bad. It, the news can go right along with Timothy here. But here's what he says. He says, stay away from people like that. Stay away. Here's what I'm telling you as a congregation this morning. For people who are determined to make this world worse, stay away. For people who are determined to make your life worse, stay away. Find cheerful people. Find godly people. Because let me tell you what else. What, what, else, what, what Paul was saying here is that as things get toward the end, it's going to escalate and get worse and worse. So don't come next week and say, I can't believe what's happening in the world. Yes, the Bible's already told us it's going to happen. What do we do as God's people? As the world escalates toward judgment, we get better and better and better at proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to this whole world. For the Christian, God has saved the best for last. Jesus turned the water into wine. When he did, I was watching this last night. I was watching a, a, a program on television that was showing the book of John verse by verse. And I watched Jesus turn the water into wine, and it was awesome. And he took it to the master of the feast. They took it to the master of the feast, and the master said, You've saved the best for last. Can I tell you this morning, that's my God. He saves the best for last. Can I talk to you about heaven? Can I say a little word about heaven? Did you know that heaven is really there? That it really exists? Have you ever stopped and questioned about, I have. God, is there really a heaven? Are we, are we wasting our time? I'm counting on it this morning. I don't know when I will get there. But I know this, it's going to be better in the end than it is now. Better. The Bible already tells us that. I, I, I just got through this last week reading the book of Revelation for no telling how many times I read the book of Revelation. And I get over there to chapter 21 and I get so excited when it gets to say, He'll wipe all tears from their eyes. There'll be no more sorrow or pain. The old things are passed away. The, there's, there's a new wall coming. There's a new wall coming now. And God is, God is bringing all of this better the end. Everybody out there can't say it. Pastor, it doesn't look good. It looks like things are going bad. It looks like the world's going down. Look, it's going to get better. You say, will it ever get better? What about, what about global warming? What about all this? It's going to get better. It is going to get better. God's got a plan. I don't know if you know it or not. God has a plan. The best is yet to come. So here's how I'm closing this. And I don't have it on the screen. And if you're taking note, you need this. You might want to just go back and write this down later. Here, how do we respond to this message this morning? Number one, recognize that you will become more of what you are now. What you are now, you're going to become more of. If you're selfish, you're going to be more selfish. If you're cheerless, you're going to become more bitter. 
If you're a complainer, you're going to complain more. You're going to become more of what you are. Now, number two, decide what you want to be when you grow up. Or old. I've been giving this some thought. I've got to tell you, I don't just get sermons to preach to you that don't matter. This one mattered to me. I've cried over this sermon. I did. I had a little talk with Jesus. I said, Lord, what if I need this sermon as much as anybody else in the church? That's not exactly how I put it. I said, what if I need it more than anybody else? Lord, what if this is just for me? Do I come up here to an empty congregation and empty pe- and preach to myself for a little while and then go home and feel better? But here's the truth. If I needed this, I know you needed it. But I want you to know I needed this. I am getting older. I looked at my life this week and I said, Lord, am I getting better? Am I getting better at this gospel thing? Am I getting better at this life? Am I getting, is my love growing stronger? Is my generosity picked up? Lord, am I getting better? And I cried. I said, Lord, it's not too late. I felt like Scrooge on Christmas Day. I love Scrooge. When Scrooge gets through with the third spirit and he's wiping that tombstone and he realizes, oh, I know, I blew it for some of you. If you haven't seen it by now, you're not ever going to. But he's wiping that tombstone and he's got his name on it. And he looks up at that spirit and he says, why show me this if there's no hope? Why show me this? Pastor, why preach this if there's no hope? And I asked God, I said, God, if there's no hope, what's the use? And that's when God said, break up the fallow ground. Replant. Start over. I'm 66 years old. How many times can I start over? As many times as it takes. As many times, if I'm 80 years old and God looks at me and says, you know, you're not getting better. You're getting bitter. I need to be able to, at 80 years old, I need to be able to break up my fallow ground and replant. Three, for you that are younger, find an older person you want to be like and start doing by character what they've done by instinct. Find an older person you want to be like. I could point something out to you (laughs) that you ought to model after. It's not by coincidence that Brother and Sister Dory are in the service this morning. God knew I needed them here today. Brother and Sister Dory, I've watched them for years. I've watched them get better and better and better. And you say, well, Oh, but but we get old and we no, I'm not talking about I'm talking about these the spirit. Find somebody. Find somebody 
that is living that life and follow them. Number four, change your lifestyle to fit how you want to end up. And number five, ask God to develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life and submit to His will. Would you stand with me? Mm. Sing it. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. Oh, in darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, yes. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will see the goodness of God Listen to me. I've been very open with you today. I, I, I told while I was, while God was dealing with me on this message, I did some crying. I did some repenting. I said, Pastor, what all you've been doing? I haven't been getting better. I haven't been getting better. I've gotten more bitter. So I cried. I prayed. So hear me. I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done this week. If you're at the place in your life, if you can look back over your last 10 years, and you're not better now than you were then, you need to be up here praying. You can stand, you can kneel, but you need to be up here. I did this like last Tuesday, I believe it was. In my own home, I got before God. I said, God, I want to be better. I'm not talking about just turning over a new leaf and becoming a better person. I'm talking about turning everything over to Him and, and get, get out of Get out of the rut you're in. What, whatever, whatever you've gotten into that you're, stu that you're stuck with. So as, as we sing it again, if you need to join me this week in doing the same thing I've done, would you just come and stand with me? And let's pray. Go ahead. In all my life you have been faithful.